Amen. Thanks, Russ. Uh, exciting to be here this morning. Um, see so many people. It's unusual being used to um, a handful of people in the room. I've been doing the video uh, for our live. It's not live. We filmed it on a Saturday. And, uh, and there was about five people in the room. So it uh, takes a bit of getting used to. We're all here. Um, I'm not nervous at all. No. So last time I talked to you guys, two weeks ago now, I, we're doing a series on how God has intended the church to be supernatural. And two weeks ago, I talked about love, because if we don't get love, we are wasting our time. We might as well just go home uh, and give up, because love is the foundation of everything that we do as a church, as the kingdom of God. Love is our core foundation. And so I talked about how God wants uh, to us to continually experience his love and not just experience his love, but once we experience it and get a revelation of his love, we then become an experience of love for people that we encounter. And then they experience God's love through us and they understand and meet the true nature of God the Father. That's why it's important. But to be a supernatural church, there is a two-part equation. Love is obviously the first part of that equation. And the second part is the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. Uh, let's turn straight to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Yes, please. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So God reconciles us to himself, this is the way that it works, and then once we're reconciled, we don't just live reconciled, he says, now you have the ministry of reconciliation, so that, that we get to be part of his process of, of saving the world. He chooses to use us. I don't know why, because maybe I do know why. Because we're fallible, he chooses to use us. Because in our failings, he is made strong and, and um, revealed to be God. So it says in there that he, he is not imputing trespasses. And that's King James speak for he's not up there sitting on his throne judging the world in spite of what you might have heard and in spite of what some Christians go around throwing out uh, judgment like they have some sort of holy mandate to judge people it, this is not what the Bible has been telling us to do the Bible actually explains to us that we are ambassadors of reconciliation so in order to bring reconciliation we reveal the love of God somebody sees the love of God revealed, is exposed to God the Father through that love and is drawn to him through love, not forced to him through judgment. That's the way the ministry of reconciliation works. And if we are given supernatural tools in order to reveal God's love to people. So as ambassadors, that passage is, is talking and calling us ambassadors. We represent a kingdom. Now, an ambassador represents 
a country or a nation that they belong to. We understand this, don't we? That we have ambassadors to Australia, and as a, as a nation of Australia, we send ambassadors out to other nations. And um, when those ambassadors go out, they live in an embassy. And in that embassy, uh, the, the soil of that embassy is considered sovereign to that nation. And um, we've seen those movies, haven't we, where there's a spy and, and he's... He's running away from the police of the nation and he's trying to get back to his embassy and he steps through the gates and they can't touch him because he's back on home soil. Now, we are ambassadors, but we also carry the kingdom of God in us. So not only are we the ambassadors, the representation of a nation, we are that sovereign nation as we move around, which means we are in the world, but we're not of the world. We are of a different kingdom. So although we operate within the laws of the land, we actually answer first and foremost to a higher authority. What does this kingdom look like? Well, we touched on this last time we spoke. And um, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7, it says this, And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So it's something to do with preaching. Uh, and then all this stuff. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Uh, or the same um, circumstances spoken of in, in Luke chapter 10, verse 9. And heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So the kingdom of God, there's something supernatural about the kingdom of God. When, when you lay hands on someone and you heal the sick, the kingdom of God has come near to them because it's in you and it's in the Holy Spirit and it's in the miracle which just happened. So as ambassadors, we represent this kingdom, this kingdom which is supernatural by nature. But we also carry the authority or the name of the nation or kingdom that we represent. Have a look in Luke chapter 10, verse 17. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. So they're happy. They're like, yeah, this stuff works. The kingdom's real. It's supernatural. It's amazing. And Jesus says to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Strange thing to say. We'll get back to that in a minute. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Awesome. We have the authority. Yay. Let's go out and do it. But then what does he say? Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So it's an interesting thing to say. Yes, we carry an authority. And yes, Jesus has given us an authority, the authority of the kingdom. You see, when an ambassador, if, if Australia wants to negotiate a trade deal with a nation, they'll call the ambassador into the, we don't have a White House. What's ours called? The, the Parliament House. Thanks, Steve. The Canberra. So he call them into Canberra and... Uh, and they talk to the ambassador. Now, the ambassador represents the nation that they're from, but they also speak in the authority of that nation. So if they decree something, or if they make a deal, or if they declare something, it's as if the ruler of that nation is making it. Does that make sense? Are we? It's not rocket science. I'm sure you're with me. So it's the same thing for us as ambassadors 
of Jesus Christ, we are standing in his authority. And so when we decree something by his name and his authority, we can expect it to happen because he's given us that authority. But then he goes on to say, don't rejoice in this. Do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So don't focus, don't let your focus shift to what God is doing through you, to the authority, because we can get focused on on the authority that he's given us, and that can be the thing that we're celebrating. We must always point our celebration, give God the glory every single time. Because it's it's interesting, I said uh, in the middle of that passage, he, he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. What a weird thing to throw in the middle there. Why did he say that? Well, for, for the first reason he said that, it was to determine his authority. He's like, well, I actually have the authority because I was there at the beginning of time and I saw all this happen, so that's who I am, and that's the authority that I carry. But the other reason he said that was a warning because the very reason why Satan got cast out of heaven was because he wanted the glory for himself. And so Jesus is saying, you know what? The glory's not yours. The glory belongs to my Father, the source of it all. And so, yes, I give you authority, but it's not for you to be a, a big man, a miracle worker. And yes, I want to see you working miracles, but it's so that God gets the glory in everything that we do. And so it's not about how good you pray, and it's not about how much love you have, and it's not about any miracles that work out of your hand. It's all about Him, the source of it all. And so we always point glory back to Him and let Him be God in that situation. So God wants us to be ambassadors and advance his kingdom, which is supernatural in nature. Now, the, uh, the text we have about advancing the kingdom is, of course, the Great Commission. And we looked at this last time, and I'm going to um, look at it again because it makes a good point. In Mark 16, verse 15, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And we look at this as the Great Commission, and... Um, and we can do that because preaching is easy. Well, for some of us, it's easy. And all we need to do is open our mouths and say stuff. So, yeah, I've got that down pat. And then he says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. Right, that's basic theology. We've got that. And then he says, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Well, that's a little bit more difficult because all of a sudden we need access to a power that's beyond ourselves. All of a sudden it's revealed to us that for us to actually fulfill the Great Commission, we need the Holy Spirit and we are useless without it. You see, if God's kingdom is not of this world, how can we use the things of this world to represent it? That's why when when Paul preached, wherever he preached, signs and wonders followed. That it was not just a matter of saying something with your mouth, but it's a matter of being a supernatural church to represent a supernatural kingdom. Now, the disciples had this passage in mind when Jesus told them to wait and Acts. So, so Jesus is just about to um, 
go up through the clouds. And right before he goes, he says this in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. After being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They still hadn't quite grasped the truth of what was going on. And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. See, Jesus says to them, wait, because the kingdom is not a matter of me restoring Israel. They still had that concept in their mind, and and they didn't for much longer because um, the Holy Spirit was just about to show up. Uh, But Jesus says, wait, because you don't understand. This kingdom is not of this world. You're going to need the Holy Spirit to represent this kingdom. In verse 8, it says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and to the end of the earth. That includes us here in Tasmania. We are almost at the end of the earth. What that verse is saying is quite challenging. It's saying, you know what? You can't actually be a witness without the Holy Spirit. You can say things, but you can't witness of who Jesus Christ is without the Holy Spirit. You see, Peter is a great example of this. Peter was transformed from someone who just after the death or the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, Peter was, was um, denying his involvement. When people asked him, he was like, no, no, I didn't have anything involved. He, he, was, he was scared and, and unsure what was going on and, and he did not want to be associated with, with what had just happened. And yet after he receives the Holy Spirit, only a couple of weeks later, he receives the, the power of the Holy Spirit and he stands up in front of multitudes, thousands of people, including people who were there during the crucifixion, including people who were complicit in what they did to Jesus on the cross because it says in the Bible they were cut to their heart and they were convicted when they heard Peter's words. And so Peter starts not only not being ashamed of his connection, he starts preaching the word to them and we see 3,000 people get saved. Such is the power of the Holy Spirit. This is not something that we do in our own strength. When do we need the Holy Spirit? Well, I'm glad you asked because uh, I'm going to tell you. In Philippians chapter 4, it says, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We love this verse. I love this verse. Whenever we're having a hard time, we get to quote this verse and it gives us some sort of uh, encouragement and reassurance that Jesus Christ is with us and he can strengthen us and get us through whatever situation we're going through. But when you look at the verse in the context of that passage, Paul is actually saying, you know what? Sometimes I have good days and the Lord strengthens me. Sometimes I'm full and the Lord is strengthening me. Sometimes I've got it all together, I'm having a great day, but I still need God in my life strengthening me even though I'm having a good day. In all times, at all times, we need the Holy Spirit. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
Some years ago, Fiona and I were at a, a large church in the, in the States, known for its move of the Holy Spirit. And we were over there visiting and enjoying and um, just having a great time seeing God moving in this church. And uh, we were visitors. And, you know, like in these big fancy churches, they get little visitor packs. Uh, you don't get them here. We are not fancy. Uh, we, we just have Jesus for you. That's all we've got. Amen. Uh, but uh, we got the little visitor's pack, and in the pack was the stickers and the vouchers and the pen and it, all the stuff. And part of the, uh, the visitor's pack was a voucher to get a CD of the sermon. That's just showing how long ago it was now, a few years ago. Uh, and so after the service, we thought, let's go and redeem our voucher, and we'll get our CD of the sermon. It was a great sermon. I'd love to listen to it again. So I went up uh, into the foyer, and there's a man in a booth, and his job is to give out CDs, and he's got them all there. And so I went up to the man, and I give him my voucher, and he takes the voucher and gets the CD, and he gives me the CD, and I grab it, and he doesn't let go. And he looks at me in the eyes, and he starts prophesying a word of the Lord over my life. And I suddenly realize, you know what? His job is not there to give out CDs. Well, it is. His job is there to give out CDs, but his real job... His ambassador job is to minister in the power of the kingdom. And it's true for all of us. You know, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, if we're at the supermarket or we're getting fuel or we're at work or, or, or hanging out with friends, you know, that's, that's our cover. We are, we are that secret agent. And, uh, and our real job is to be ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. In all times and in all things. You can let the Holy Spirit add a supernatural element to an earthly transaction. Because if we don't have it, you know, we're just the same as every other club. Except sometimes we're a little bit nicer. And I say sometimes, because sometimes we're not. Sometimes we're not even nicer. Not you guys, though. You're always nice. So how do we get the Holy Spirit? Sounds good. I want it. I need it. I need to be operating in it. How do I get it? What, uh, what hoops do I have to jump through? Well, uh, I uh, am glad to tell you, not many. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it says this. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children, and to all who are afar off, again, Tasmania, as many as the Lord our God will call. Wow, that sounds easy. We just baptize, get baptized and get saved, and he gives us the Holy Spirit. So we know it's for every single believer. There is nothing that disqualifies you from it, except for not being a believer. So if you're not a believer today and you want the Holy Spirit, just get saved and you'll get the Holy Spirit too. Luke chapter 11, verse 13 says this, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? There is no formula. There is no hoops to jump through. There is no form you have to fill out. You just ask. And what's beautiful about this verse is that because the Bible says it, we receive it by faith. 
It's not about having a feeling or experiencing a feeling. It can be, and for some people it is. When my wife, Fiona here, um, who's doing a great job on the scripture, scriptures, by the way, thank you, uh, when she got saved, she got what I like to call the package deal. And that she'd never been in a church really before, not a happy clappy kind of church, uh, Pentecostal style, Holy Spirit moving church. And she got dragged along in her um, late teens by some people she'd just met uh, to go to this church. Dangerous, dangerous situation. And uh, she was sitting up the back and she was thinking they're all weird and like, what is she doing here? What's going on? And they did an altar call. They, they said, who wants to be saved? And in the midst of her thinking that she felt a hand going up and the Holy Spirit was working on her life and she goes down the front and she gets saved and she goes over in the power of the Holy Spirit, starts speaking in tongues. She gets the whole package deal before she even knows what it is. Now, I'm at the other end of the spectrum, so I never feel anything. I never feel... Well, sometimes I do, very rarely, but I hardly ever feel the Holy Spirit or feel what God's doing or, or you know, experience anything that, that I can tangibly feel. I grew up in the church and I had an understanding and I was sort of, you know, you get jaded from it all and then and you have sort of just a long and boring Christian testimony. I'm one of those people. <laughs> it is a great testimony. Thanks, Steve. But what I'm trying to say is that you don't receive the Holy Spirit by what you feel. So if you're saved and you've asked, you have the Holy Spirit, because not because you've felt him or you haven't felt him, but because the Bible says so. And you can stand on the Word of God and you can have faith in the Word of God. And if you've asked, he will come. And you don't determine your level of Holy Spirit by how much you feel or don't feel. So uh, let's just have a look at a couple more points and we'll bring it to a close. Second uh, Timothy chapter 1. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The first point I want to make in this um, passage that Paul is writing to Timothy is that the Holy Spirit, which he's talking about there, the, the gift of God, he's referring to the Holy Spirit when he says that, it can be stirred up. There's something about it that can be stirred up in you, that you don't have to receive the Holy Spirit back in 1975 and then that was it. And now you just like carry on. You can actually walk in it daily and receive more of the Spirit every day. All you have to do is ask. We've, we've read it up there on the screen. Um, what's that next chapter there, Fiona? Yeah, call that one up. I'm getting lost in my notes here. Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, if I wanted to go home and get drunk, don't recommend it. If I wanted to, though, how would I do that? I'd have to drink some wine. Now, tomorrow, would I still be drunk? <laughs> depends how much I drink. Yeah. And, and you know what? To stay drunk depends on how much I'm drinking. Because that word there, be filled, actually, in the Greek, the tense for that phrase conveys the meaning of a continuous thing. You see, 
God wants us to be living a life continuously filled with the Spirit. So for me to be continuously drunk with wine, I've got to keep drinking. For me to be continuously filled with the Spirit, I've got to keep drinking. I've got to keep asking for more. Oh, I want more of you today. Holy Spirit, fill me today. I need you today. I want to be a conduit of your kingdom today. I want to be an ambassador today. Fill me with your Spirit. We can ask for it every day. We can stir it up within us. Don't live off that feeling you got back in 1975. As cool as it might have been, he has more for you. And that's exciting. Uh, And please excuse my illustration on this verse. It's in the Bible, so I'm uh, absolved of any wrongdoing. Right. Uh, And the second point I want to make in 2 Timothy, if we could just go back there. I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Fear is the enemy of you living a supernatural life. Because he contrasts the two. One is, a, one is the Holy Spirit moving in us. And the contrast to that is fear. Fear is created by the devil to stop you being supernatural. What are people going to think of me? What are people going to say? How will I look? Oh, I'll make a fool of myself. You know, all that stuff, that's pride. When you boil it down, it's just pride. And that's the same sin that Lucifer sinned when he was cast from heaven, just like Jesus said in that verse. Pride comes before the fall. So if you're worried about how you look, your focus is actually just in the wrong place. Our focus needs to stay on him. Now, the Holy Spirit is our source of power, love, and self-control. Now, a sound mind here. So the, the translation for sound mind or self-control in the Aramaic, it, it, it conveys a meaning of um, revelation light or um, instruction or guidance on how to outwork something. That's the, the phrase which they're trying to explain there with that, with that term. So that means that the Holy Spirit is the source of love, which we covered last week or two weeks ago, is uh, the source of our power, and he wants us to use that together. And he also is the source of our instruction and in how to outwork that in our day-to-day lives. And so we're going to be looking at that over the next two weeks. We're going to look at what does it mean to give a prophetic word or to speak in tongues or to have a word of knowledge or to lay hands on, on someone and see them get healed. What is all that stuff? What does the Bible say about it? What is the Holy Spirit instructing us in how we go about doing that? And um, how do we see the kingdom of God advance supernaturally? So uh, we're just going to close. I've just got a quick video for you guys to watch because um, I love Dan Mola. He's so exciting. He gets me excited just by listening to him. And uh, he <laughs> he wraps it up nicely for you guys. So thanks, Fee. We'll just Verse 17, they laid hands on them. They received the Holy Spirit. 
Now here's where people, look, and when Simon saw that through the laying on of hands, the apostles' hands, Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, and you guys know that story. It doesn't say how he knew he came, but he saw something. The only manifestation that's really mentioned in the Bible is other tongues. And then people get real tonguey with their teaching, and other people get real freaked out. How do I know it's God? How do I know it's the devil? And it's all about tongues instead of all about receiving him. There's so many people that have hesitated to be prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit because they're unsure about the whole other tongues and things. Here's the deal. How much more the Father will give the Holy Spirit to them that... So if you ask, is he coming? Yay. So there's people that say, well, if you didn't pray in tongues, you didn't receive the Holy Spirit. Listen, I believe we can all pray in tongues. I believe that grace is in the person of the Holy Spirit. I believe he wants us all to. I believe tonight, if you've never prayed in tongues, never received the Holy Spirit, you come up here, he's coming, and you can pray in tongues. I believe there's that liberty. We're going to have that freedom and that fun. But if somebody doesn't pray in other tongues, is it scriptural to say you didn't receive the Holy Spirit? So how do you receive him the same way you live your life? By faith. We always make it a manifestation. We think you have to shake and cry. So there's countless people out there living condemned in their mind because they think they're not fit, they're not worthy, they're not clean, and they've been prayed for and they didn't pray in tongues so they feel like Holy Spirit doesn't want to live in them. And it's wrong teaching because look what it produces. Not life and life more abundantly. It's beautiful. And I want to make sure that everyone in this room is set free today. If you've been living under that lie, God has freedom for you in this place. If you've never received the Holy Spirit and you're a believer, you can just ask. It's yours. And, uh, and so just as we bring the service to a close, um, we're going to invite people, if you want to receive the Holy Spirit for the first time, you're welcome to come down the front. And normally we have people that might pray with you, but you're welcome to come down the front and ask, and we'll stand with you. If you want the Holy Spirit, you just have to ask. If you want to receive a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit as well, if you want to stir up the gift like Paul said to Timothy, then you just have to ask. And maybe you feel something, maybe you won't, but you'll receive it by faith. Because what God says is true. Thank you, Jesus. You are the source of everything. We thank you for this wonderful, marvelous, out there, incredible plan you have to advance your supernatural kingdom through us. That you give us the authority to stand in places and decree your word. And that you give us the power of the Holy Spirit that we get to see miracles happen and be in the presence of you working and working those miracles and being part of what you're doing on this earth. We just thank you for that privilege. It's such a wonder. I just pray for more of the Holy Spirit and your believers that we're all able to walk with more power and authority as we recognize, receive, and enjoy your presence, your Holy Spirit in us. Amen.